Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. Not do it by myself. And I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary for the remissions of our sins. And without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission for sin. So we're so grateful. We're so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. And let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto the church. Exodus 12 Verse 38, I believe God has a word for his people. When you get there, let us say amen. And remember, amen means it is so. So if you're not there, don't even say amen. Just get there. Amen. I know that's so. Exodus 12, verse 38 says, I'm reading out the New King James Version. A mixed multitude... Went up with them also, and flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. You may be seated. This is talking about when God was getting them prepared to come out of Egypt. And what was happening here was, y'all know what happened with the firstborn. They died and God was bringing them out of Egypt. And it says that the mixed multitude... The mixed multitude was non-Israelites. They were not Hebrews. They came out of Egypt with them. When God put this on my heart, dealing with the mixed multitude, God was showing me different ways that the mixed multitude is coming to church now. And we want to talk about that. And when you don't understand about the mixed multitude, sometimes we get mixed up with that mixed multitude and we're doing things outside of the will and outside of the way of God. Now, another um, scripture I want you to go to is Numbers 11. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 6. And I may stop in between because I want to break this down so we will have an understanding. So I pray that your hearts are open and receptive to receive the word on today. Numbers 11, beginning at verse 1. Now, these are the people who come out of Egypt. These are the Israelites, and we know that they had come out of a place, and they should be grateful for that place that they have come out of because they couldn't deliver themselves. It was God who delivered them out of this place, out of bondage, out of oppression. It says in um, chapter 11, verse 1, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it in his anger, was aroused now look at this the people began to complain and they come out of Egypt but they began to complain and I believe all of us can relate to these Israelites first of all they were in bondage to Egypt they were being oppressed 
you know, so God brought them out. But in the process of God bringing them out, what God wanted from these people is to depend totally on him. No matter what popped up in their lives, God want them to depend on him. But they begin to complain. When you complain, that means you're mummering with one another. You complaining about the situation that you're in. You can complaining about your troubles. I don't know about y'all, but I know about me. Sometimes I can mummer. Sometimes I can complain. And sometimes we can do it so much, it's unaware. Because we just keep yap, yap, yapping all the time about something or somebody. It can become complaining. It can become grumbling or things of that nature. I know sometimes when we go into restaurants and, you know, the service now, some restaurants, they're slow because they don't have much help. So they may have one waitress to about 10 tables, and that's a lot for that one person. So sometimes when you go in these restaurants, you're hungry, and you're ready to eat. You want to be served. You want them to serve you. But we don't look at what they go through. Can I get a witness? We just look at how we feel. So I know when I go in these restaurants, and sometimes things are not right, my main saying is, I thank God because I didn't have to cook it. See, this is what we got to remember. If I go into, if I feel or think in my mind something that I shouldn't be thinking, I have to go back and be grateful because they didn't ask for me to come in there. I went in there on my own. They may not have enough salt. The food may not have been fried to my specific. The food may not been like I cook it or somebody else cooked it, or it may not be like it was before when I entered that restaurant. So I have learned to say, you know what? I thank God because I didn't have to cook it. So we have to be thankful. So some of us or the majority of us can get in that ungrateful mode, feeling as if I'm entitled to more than this. I'm paying my money and this is how this should be. But when we are grateful and we're thankful for what's set before us, we will know how to approach that situation. These people began to complain. They forgot where God bought them from. See, when we begin to complain and we begin to murmur, we forget where God bought us from. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants our mind on what the world is doing or what the world is saying or how the world is acting when our mind should be on God. It should be on what he has done for us, what he's already done for us. They forgot he delivered you. He brought you forth out of Egypt. So anything that you're going through, don't you know that God already done taken care of it? See, this is what, why the enemy wants us to stay in the complaining mode. I'm going to tell you, our children may not do what we want them to do, but we need to be grateful that they're not out there doing what other people are doing. We need to be grateful. They may be in this area doing one thing, but God, I thank you that I over here in this area doing this. God, I give you glory. We cannot get into complaining and mummering mode because when we do, it takes our mind off of what God done for our children, what God done for our husband, what God done for our wives, what God done on the job. We have to say, God, I thank you. I'm going to give you glory because if you took care of that then, God, you're going to take care of this now. This is what God wanted from the Israelites. He wanted them to remember when he delivered them. 
When he heard their cry, when he came down out of heaven and he brought them out of bondage. Look at Philippians 2, 14 through 15. It says, expanded Bible, do everything. Wow. Do everything without complaining, grumbling, or arguing. Then you will be innocent, blameless, and without any wrong. Innocent, pure, harmless, God's children without fault, blemish. But you are living with people that are crooked and evil in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine like stars in the dark world. So what God is saying, he said, do everything without complaining, without murmuring, without arguing. Why? Because when we do things God's way. People going to see whom we belong to. But how can people see whom we belong to if I'm sitting in a restaurant teaching every Tuesday and every Sunday, then I get in that restaurant and start complaining and start mummering and start arguing and start doing things that's outside of the will of God. We want to let people know who we are now that we're in Christ. People need to know who we are now that we're in Christ. So they start complaining. Come on, y'all, all of us in this room. I ain't even going to say some. I'm going to say all. All of us in this room have complained. Some of us have complained this morning. Come on, you didn't bring me this right. You didn't do this right. If you had done it this way, it would have been all right. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's complaining and that's mumbling and that's how the enemy come in and that's how you get the enemy a foothold. And the Bible say, do not be ignorant of Satan devices. We give him these footholds because sometimes we make it all about us. We don't see what the other person has done, but we always try to find fault. So they were really trying to find fault with God. They weren't appreciative. They wouldn't focus on how God delivered them. They didn't deliver themselves just like Jesus. He paid the price for us. He laid down his life for us. He didn't have to do it, but he did. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God through him. It was a great exchange. He took on our sin and we took on his righteousness. Come on, but we still complain. We still forget about what he has done on our behalf. If we will stay focused on what he has done when we're going through in our bodies, when we're going through in our finances, instead of murmuring, I don't have the money, we need to be giving God glory and said, I'm grateful because it's because of you that I have everything that I need. It may not be in my bank account, but you told me that you shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ. Jesus by Christ Jesus so it's already mine so I'm going to rejoice in the midst of my bank account being in the red I'm going to rejoice in the midst of my body racked in pain because I know what you already done because your word says by his stripes I was already healed so I'm not going on how my body is feeling I'm not going on how people perceive me I'm going to rejoice and again I say I'm going to rejoice why because you told me to do all things without mum 
mumbling and complaining because this is your will concerning me. So when I mumber and complain, I'm not grateful at Jesus laying down his life. Why should I complain? He died for me even while yet I was in sin. He proved his love. He demonstrated his love for me. So why should I complain? Why should I waste my breath to complain that it's not enough salt in my grits? It's not enough salt in this or that. It's not enough. God, I'm giving you glory because it's people that don't have salt. It's people that don't have fruit. So I'm not going to mumber. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to give you glory. See, we tend to forget. We tend to forget. Oh, if we can keep our minds on him and what he's done for us, it would take our minds off of what people are doing to us. Let me say it again. If we can put our minds on what God has done for us, it'll take our minds off of what people are doing to us because we can say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that he's done for me. Come on, you begin to bless the Lord. You're telling your soul, come on and bless him. Some more, come on and acknowledge what he's done. He woke you up this morning. You got breath in your body. You can roll out of the bed. Some people can't even get up out of the bed. And you complaining. You're murmuring. You got a little headache. Some people is so wrapped in pain that they're just laying there dying. And you sitting there saying, oh, my head. You need to be giving God, God glory that, come on. We mumber and complain. And the reason why we mumber and complain, because we forget what he has done. Some of the mumbering and complaining, we bring it on ourselves because we add extra to our lives that God ain't told us to add extra. That's when we get extra. We start telling people about our troubles, but we put our own self in those situations when God said, let it go, leave it alone. But we keep, keep it going. We keep it going. That's where stress come from. That's where high blood pressure come from. Sometimes there's hitting things, stress in your body that's so hidden, it becomes normal through your complaining and mumbling. Your body have adjusted to it. But when they begin to take your blood pressure, they say, do you realize your blood pressure is high? No. Because your body done got so used to that high blood pressure that you're walking around like a ticking bomb ready to go off. Anything your body get used to, you carry it. It attaches itself to you. And that's why some of us don't know when our bodies is going through because we're so deep in things that we shouldn't be deep in. But somebody that's walking in the spirit can look at you and say, you're stressed out. You need to let go of that. You don't need to hold on to that no more. You need to trust God in that thing. And then people look at you like, huh? I ain't doing nothing that I shouldn't be doing. Okay. Mummering. Complaining. So when we look at the rest of that, listen at verse 2. Now, after God heard this, listen what happened. So the fire of the Lord burned among them. Come on, God was angry, wasn't he? And consumed some. 
in the outskirts of the camp. Now, King James said consume them. But when you go in there, break it down, all of them weren't consumed. It was just some. He consumed some. Can you imagine the fire of God came down and just literally killed them? Come on. just And the other people was watching it. So imagine if a fire is coming down from the sky and you're seeing people just dying, aren't you going to cry out to God? But what, this is what they did. Then the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. Now understand this. Moses was the deliverer. But now we have Jesus. Jesus is our intercessor. He's the mediator between us and God. So Jesus paid the price for all of our sins, for past, present, and future sins. So when something happens in our life, we know that Jesus, he's standing, he stood in the gap on our behalf so we can go to the Father. We don't have to call on Moses. You don't have to call on me or anybody else. You can go to the throne on your own and cry out to God. The difference between those people and Moses was the people complained and mumbered and and argued amongst themselves. But Moses, who was a man of God, who was humble, he went directly to God. See, he went to God. He went to God with his complaints. Y'all got to understand this as leaders. You have to go to God. You don't go to everybody else. And what I mean is, let me break that down. These people complained and they're mumbered, right? But Moses, the leader, he told God how he felt. See, when we can get to the point, now art is different. But when you can get to the point that you don't need to go to nobody but to God. And talk about all your troubles. Talk about all your problems. Talk about how you feel. God will keep it to himself. And he will tell you how to handle it. And guess what God's going to do? He's going to say, they trust me enough to lean and depend on me more than they depended on anybody else. I can trust them with ministry. I can trust them with what I'm doing. I can trust them with what I'm getting ready to do. But I can't trust those that's in and everywhere and not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So Moses, he went to God on the behalf of the people. And listen what what it says. Then the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of that place burning. It was called because the fire of the Lord had burned amongst them. So look at how mummering and complaining. Now look what happened. Remember, these were the Israelites, mummering, complaining about their troubles. They weren't thinking about what God had already done for them. Come on, if we really would think about what God has done for us, we would say, if he done that, I know he's going to do this because he's God. When you look at the rest of that verse in verse four, now listen at this. These are the Israelites first complaining. Now it says, now the mixed multitude, these are the non-Israelites who were among them, yielded to intense craving. That means that they were lusting. They were craving. So they began to lust and they began to crave What was they lusting and craving? They was lusting and craving for what they used to have. So this is what happened. So by them lusting and craving, 
on what they used to have. Remember in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is what the enemy used to take our minds, get them off track, to get our minds into the world instead of focus on God. So whatever you're going through, he's going to have you to lust after different things, to have a craving. Why? Because your flesh is going to always flare up. Your flesh is going to always crave something that it was used to having. It may have been something that you dealt with before you got saved and you haven't renewed your mind enough to resist those cravings. I remember years ago when I went through something, I loved sodas, y'all. I mean, I would down a Pepsi. A Pepsi and a Coke was good to me. And I couldn't mess with them sun drops and them Mountain Dews because they would take me out, out of here. They like crack. I would drink them Pepsis and those Cokes like crazy. That's all I drunk. But when I went through something in my body due to that, I made up my mind I would not drink another Pepsi, another Coke. I'm going to stay away from sodas. Every now and then I may have a little ginger ale, but you ain't going to see me just watering it down. So when I went through it, I made up my mind. So that flesh quit craving what it was used to because after a time it got used to not having it. And sometimes we will replace the things that we give up with something else. That still ain't helping it because we're replacing it because we feel like that flesh needs something else to drink, right? So what I did, tea don't have an effect like the sodas would. So what I would do is start on tea. But then what I would do with tea is use wisdom. I would dump all this ice in my tea so I wouldn't get as much of it as I would like to get it. So it's things that you do in moderation. You don't over and see, this is the problem. <laughs> I'm still talking about the mixed multitude. I'm still talking about the ways of the world. In this world, the enemy want us to have gluttony. He want us to overindulge in a lot of things, overindulge in food. I'm going to say this, overindulge in sex overindulge in anything we can overindulge in because when we do our bodies get out of whack that's what our bodies begin to crave overindulge in alcohol drugs anything he can get us to overindulge in having material things anything that the flesh that he know the flesh will crave he wants you to overindulge in it some people overindulge in um what you call it fake hair fake nails Come on, we can overindulge in these things. Is anything wrong with it? No. But when you go crazy with it and you feel like this is what I got to have, there's a problem. When you can't let that go, there's a problem. Why? Because the flesh got comfortable with that skin. When you overindulge in anything, you feel like you cannot do without that thing. So this means intense craving. This mixed multitude was coming out of Egypt with them. They were non-Israelites, so that's telling me they were Egyptians. So those Egyptians done a lot of things. Those Egyptians ate a lot of things, so they had some intense craving. I'm going to tell you something. If you go on a wilderness experience and you go and camping with somebody and you used to eating inside all the time and you used to getting what you want to get when you go out there camping and can't get it you're going to have an intense craving you're going to become angry they're going to condition that you already had you're going to start cussing there goes something that was still in you that's coming out of you you're going to start complaining you're going to start murmuring and you what you need to do is rejoice because you need to say god you showing me 
what was already there and these hunger pains is bringing it out of me. Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking right. Because when you get in situations, sometimes we say, I'm okay. But when a situation come in your life, you're going to find out just how okay you are. Come on, I can love my husband. Just love him to death. But when a situation come up, come on, I can remember when. I can remember everything. Because guess what? You remember what you ain't let go of. That's when you got to say, deal with me, Lord. Come on. This is a part of Miracle Temple dealing with the root. And that's why people don't like me. Because you can have scriptures all day long. You can give people scriptures all day long. But if you don't get to the root of what's going on with that person, that scripture is not going to do them no good until they know what the root is. You can tell people about a gossiper, a talebearer, but you got to get to the root of why they're gossiping. You can give them script. See, people got to understand what's going on. You ain't going to go to no doctor and that doctor's just going to look at you and give you some medication. That doctor want to get to the root of when did you start hurting? How did this occur? What are you eating? When do you eat this? Come on, don't they ask you all these questions? Because they want to get to the root of what's going on with you. Well, let's run these tests because what you're saying ain't lining up. Let's, let's just take some blood work. Let's see how your levels are. Let's see what's going on with you. Boom, bam, there it is. <laughs> you got to get to the root. They can give you the medication. But it ain't getting to the root of what's wrong with you. Some of us want the medication, but you don't want to quit eating like you're eating. Come on. We want to stop hurting, but we don't want to quit doing what we're doing. What's the point, y'all? You're wasting the man or woman's time. Because sooner than later, you're going to pop right back up in there. And then then you're lying now, Christian folk. Now you're lying when they ask you, what you been eating? Well, I've been doing like you've been telling me. I've done everything because you're full of pride now. You don't want to bow down and humble yourself and say, I've been eating. Child, I, I threw down on Thanksgiving. I even bought you a plate. <laughs> Come on, you don't want to tell them the truth. You're going to sit there and lie. And some of us don't really uh, think we're lying. Well, have you been eating? Yeah, uh-huh. I, I've been eating. Have you been doing like I've been? Yeah, you know, I, a little bit of this, not too much. Let's move on. We don't tell the whole truth. You know how when you go in the courtroom, they said, what is it? The whole truth? Nothing but the truth? Why are you using so help you God to unsaved folk and it don't make, come on, I wouldn't want them up there on my behalf. Come on, they're going to use the Bible thinking that's going to help somebody. Do you swear to tell the truth? Thinking that they're going to die what you got to understand is if they ain't accepting Jesus, they're going to hell anyway. I don't care how they lay their hands on the Bible. Duh. That's the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So it said that now the mixed multitude who were amongst them, ask your neighbor. Say, neighbor, who's amongst you that shouldn't be? Amongst you. 
Now, don't look at your husband or wife. Because <laughs> that's for better or for worse. Until death do you part. Saying yielding to intense craving. So y'all know it had to be some strong craving, right? That was lusting. They wanted that stuff so, so bad. So they were amongst the Israelites. Now remember, the Israelites just saw God consume the ones that was complaining in the beginning of the chapter, right? So then it says, so the children of Israel also wept again and said, who would give us meat to eat? Now look at there. Mixed multitude, non-Israelites began to complain because they were lusting after what they used to have. So by them lusting after what they used to have, guess what? Here go these Israelites who saw God consume some other Israelites. Now they crying out, who going to give us meat to eat? Have you ever been so content in what you have, but all of a sudden somebody come to your house and they begin to talk about what they got? And how they got it and how they hooked it up. And all of a sudden you never thought about it. And now you're trying to hook something up. See? That's mixed multitude. See, when you content, it's, I ain't going to move ahead of myself because I'm going to go somewhere else. I went over to 1 John 2, 15 to 16. You can go back and look at that because when you love the world more than you love God, the love for God is not in you. When you love things of the world more than you love God, how will you know that? Because if you spend more time with things of the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the love for God ain't in you because you always going after things of the world. We have to be so careful, saints, set apart ones. When you get born again, there's a separation. You got to separate yourself from the mixed multitude. And we're going to go into that too, but I want you to turn with me to Nehemiah 13.3. Y'all know Nehemiah was a builder, and Nehemiah's heart was to, you know, build those walls up so the enemy would not come in. And in Nehemiah 13, 3, and we know that he got the walls built up through the help of the Holy Spirit. God always have someone to lead. He always have someone that he can count on, that he can trust to carry his people or to carry what he need to have carried. So it says... So it was when they had heard the law, listen at this, y'all, that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. What happened was when they began to hear the law, God's law, God's way of doing, God's way of being, the mixed multitude that was amongst them, that means they were non-Hebrews, non-Israelites, they separated them. I'm going to say it again and we'll see if a light bulb is going to come on. Illumination. So it was when they heard the law. I'm going to say so it was when you got born again. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Why did they do this? Because they knew if that mixed multitude 
was amongst them and have not accepted their law and their way of doing, it's going to take them back into exile. It's going to take them back into a place, oh my Lord, that they don't need to be. I'm going to say it again. So it was when they heard the law. So it was when you heard the word of the Lord. That they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. When you get born again. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. There's supposed to be a separation. You ain't hanging around unbelievers. You ain't doing what unbelievers are doing. The only way you're hanging around them is you're letting them know about Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection. You bringing life to them so they can be quickened, so they can be made alive. You're not partying with them no more. You're not drinking with them no more. You're not listening to what you used to listen to with them no more. People get mad when they don't see you no more, but if you're weak in an area, you don't need to go in that area. Come on, when you get born again, it's a heart thing. That means a change have taken place. That means that you're, you're saying, no, the things I used to do, I don't want to do them no more. I don't want to go to that same place I was at no more. I know that has been a change in me. I'm going to read this again. Nehemiah 13, 3. So it was when they heard the law. That they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. They had to be separated. And if you keep reading in the Bible, you would see back then when God gave them those laws, he gave them those laws because he knew they were going to go into some lands. And he knew those lands that they were going into with the Canaanites, the Havitite, Hittites, and all of those, they were believing differently from these Israelites. So he said, when you go into these lands with my laws, you're going to stand out. You're going to be different because they're going to know they don't do what we do. They don't talk like we talk. So this is how it's supposed to be for us, the church. We're supposed to be different. When we walk in a place, they know you my same color. But it's something about you that ain't like me. You don't even have to go in there and open your mouth. Only thing you got to do is walk in. And they're saying, it's something about you that ain't like me. Because when you walked in the room, it seemed like the room changed. Seemed like it was some peace in that room. Seemed like it, that oppression that was there couldn't stay there no more. That depression that was there couldn't stay there. Because when you walked in the room, it was something that changed. And you didn't even have to open your mouth. I just know I need for you to be in the room. Sometimes you don't have to open your mouth. Only thing you got to do is sit in the room. And just be still. So they'll know that he is God. See, you got to know what to do and how to do it and when to do it. Sometimes God would not even allow me to preach. He would, uh, the, the songs that would come forth would change the room. And God would do what he needed to do in that room. 
God know what the Rome need. We can't go on what we think the Rome need. God knows what the Rome needs. So you got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So when the word of God was being spoken to those Israelites, the mixed multitude had to be separated. When the word of God is spoken to you, you cannot go hang around unsaved folk and act like it's okay. When you ain't gotten where you need to be. You cannot have an unsaved friend for years and they haven't accepted Jesus and you still around them. That's not, it's supposed to be a separation. You're going to either draw them or drive them. So it tells me if you got some unsaved friends in your life. And they still hanging around you. Is something going on with you? Because it's supposed to draw them or drive them. I'm a living witness. (laughs) What a friend I have in Jesus. What a friend that I have in Jesus that sticks closer than a brother. The closer you get to Jesus, the farther away friends and family will get from you. And you shouldn't be upset about that. You should be rejoicing with that. And the reason why you should be rejoicing because you're where you need to be. It's a quiet room, but it's okay. Because see, the truth needs to be told. And I'm not saying I'm the only one that's telling it. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of other people telling the truth and people don't want to hear it. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18 says, Amplified Bible, listen at this. So some, so come out from among unbelievers and separate, sever yourself from them, says the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. Then I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. And I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word. What I'm saying is the word. So come out from among unbelievers and separate, savor, sever yourselves from them, says the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. So why would God say that? Because in the book of Corinthians, they were doing all kind of stuff. And Paul had to come in there and let them know he had to put things back in his proper perspective. So this is what we have to do as believers. We have to be able to tell people the truth. When we see things that are not in alignment with God's word, we speak truth in love. We do not let people fall in a ditch just to keep a friend. You don't do that. You tell them the truth in love and you leave them alone. You don't even have to go back to them. One thing about my grandfather, when he told you something, he didn't repeat it. He told you and he left it alone. Because he did what he's supposed to do. We should not have to keep repeating ourselves and repeating ourselves and repeating ourselves and repeating ourselves. If we got to keep repeating ourselves, we got to understand there's a root to you not hearing. 
There's a root to you not obeying what the word is saying. It's rebellion. So we got to get that root of rebellion out of you. So you got to let them know this is what's causing you not to heed to the word of God. Pride can be something. A person can be so knowledgeable, but they can be puffed up with pride. That means that you ain't going to tell me. I know what the word said and I'm not coming down, but you bringing it pridefully like you can't make no mistakes. So we got to be careful. We got to separate ourselves. How are people going to know the difference? I remember when I first accepted Jesus and I thank God for this. I was not amongst things that was going on in the church. So when God took me into a church, y'all, I'm not going to lie to you. I ain't never seen such division, such separation, such jealousy. And I would just come in the church and, and listen. But I remember the day that I was getting ready to get baptized, to go up under that water. I'll never forget it. It was the happiest day of my life. I was so excited. I was getting ready to get baptized. I understood what it meant and I was happy about it. So when I got to the pool to get baptized, I'm seeing two women fighting over a towel. No, I want to do it. No, I want to do it. And I'm like, why are they fighting over that towel? I'm going to tell you why they were fighting. Because they put cold water in the pool. Because they were jealous over me. And they wanted to hurt me with cold water in December. So here's the pastor already in the pool. Now I've done nothing to these people. Only thing I did was come in and listen and leave out and not intertwine with mess. Next thing I know, I got in the pool and I seen the pastor do me like this. Hurry up. I'm like, why is he telling me? Come on. Come on. So I got in the pool and got dipped in nothing but cold water. Got out of the pool, but guess what the Spirit of the Lord did? They thought it was something was going to happen to me that day. I'm going to tell you what happened to me. The love of God happened to me because I changed my clothes and went and sat in service again. That made them hotter. After service, well, before the service started, everybody was waiting on the pastor to come out and he was taking too long. So at the end of the service, the pastor told me, he said, I need to tell you something. He said, they knew what they were doing. I had to stay back there with a heater on my feet for a long time to unthaw my feet, but they knew what they were doing. Did I hold it against them? Mm -mm. No, I still loved them. But jealousy was there. See, jealousy is cruel as the grave. Jealousy don't have to act out. What I mean is, Jealousy don't have to show itself in a way where it can be seen. Jealousy can sometimes be hidden and creep in. But see, the Lord let me see it. And at that time, I did not know that my call was to root up and tear down strongholds. God wouldn't let me miss a beat. God had my discerning of spirit so sharp that I was seeing things that some pastors that were sitting in the church didn't see it. And I'm like, why am I seeing and they don't see? Lord, I don't understand. But the Lord let me know I'm raising you up. 
I'm showing you what I'm going to have for you to do and how I'm going to have for you to do it. Because you're going to have to help these pastors. Excuse me, God. I'm trying to help myself. See, this is what I'm saying. I'm going to get to the part of these two women the way they did. I love them still. But for some reason, they had a hate for me. It was a jealousy there for me. And I don't understand why, but it was there. But it didn't stop me from going after what I knew I needed. But I'm going to tell you how good God is. Even in the midst of that, I'm talking about mixed multitude in the church. I'm going to go there. See, we look at mixed multitude with unbelievers, but you have mixed multitude with believers. And you don't see it. Because the enemy uses believers to bring things against one another. And if your discerning of spirits ain't sharp, you would think it's okay, but it ain't. So we're going to go there. Remember I say you have to be what? Separated. There have to be a separation when it comes to unbelievers. When you know you're weak in an area. And you have not built yourself up in that area. You do not need to be hanging around unbelievers and thinking you okay. If you know that you just come off the bottle with alcohol. And then you're saying, well, I'm, I'm just going to go to my friend's house and, you know, I'm going to talk to him about Jesus. You can't talk to him about Jesus for looking at that bottle. Because you're still weak in that area. Your flesh has an intense craving for that alcohol. And you're getting so thirsty. And they say, man, go and take a sip. And you know Jesus even drunk wine. You know, in the Bible, they said they took it, you know, for the stomach's sake. It was one of them told Timothy, you know, take it for your stomach. Mm -hmm. Take a little sip. It ain't going to bother you. It might help you instead of hurt you. Go on. He took more than one sip. Now he's back on the bottle trying to hide it in church. Wherever you're weak at, you need to stay out of those areas until you can build yourself up where you can look it dead in the eye and it don't do nothing to your flesh. And if you haven't gotten there yet, quit making excuses about, you know, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and quoting that all the way where you're going. And then you just lose your ability when you get there. So we have to be so careful. Let's talk about. So we talked about being separated, right? Y'all know this scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I keep bringing this scripture back in the house. God always brings scriptures back in the house to remind us. Expanded Bible. So therefore, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg, urge, appeal to you to offer your lives, your bodies. Check this out. Paul is saying to his brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy. When you know the mercy that God has shown us when we didn't deserve it and he's given us new mercies every morning. Then we should be willing to offer our lives, our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must be only for God, holy and pleasing to him, which is the spiritual way. This is how it should be for you to worship. When we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to him, how do we do that? The next verse tell you how to do it. Do not be shaped by, conform to, pressed into a mold by this world, 
age. So we cannot be molded by the world. We cannot adapt to the things of this world. That's how our bodies become a living sacrifice unto him. And see, this is what I had to do. Anything that was um, pulling me back to where I was, even though I knew I was born again in my spirit, I had to separate myself from it. I'm going to give you an example. When me and my husband got married, both of us were sinners. But when things changed in my life, it was not like I was not um, taught the, you know, the word or the word was presented to me. I had the word around me, but, you know, at the appointed time. So when I got saved, my husband was not saved. And I remember that I love doing things with my husband. Every time he hit a race, I was at the race. Wherever he went, I was right there up under him, around all those ungodly folk. But when my heart changed, I'm going to tell you something about a heart change. When my heart changed, my desire was no more to follow that man. He was my husband, but my desire was no longer to follow him. My desire was to get into the word of God, allow the word to get into me because I knew I could not live without this word. I was making my body a living sacrifice. How was I doing it? But not adapting to the things I used to adapt to. There had to be change in that soulish area. Even though my spirit changed, my soul was so much out of whack with the things that I used to do or how I used to do them. So I would let him go on his own. I wouldn't follow behind him no more because there was a difference between me and my husband. My husband was still a love of the world and I was a love of God. And in order for the household to change, somebody had to stand for what they believed. And even though I loved him, I could not go along with him. Because I knew who I was now that I'm in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, y'all, it got so deep into the word. And me and God got so intimate because I recognized I had a relationship with God. I was born of God. But then I had to come into fellowship with him, a sharing and a participation in the things that God liked and the things that God wanted me to do. So I end up cutting off some things. I end up losing myself in God because every time I would get with him, my mind would be right. And I knew I said, oh, this thing is working because every time I will open the word, the word will quicken me. It will bring life to me. And I wasn't even thinking about nothing that me and my husband used to do of the world. So finally, one day, I remember, though, when I would get it into me, I would go to him. You need to be saved. You need to accept Jesus. And y'all, it was just like a tug of war, flesh and spirit. And the Lord finally told me, he said, leave him alone. He said, you just live your life the way you need to live your life before me and change will come. So I left him alone. And I remember one day my husband came to me and he said, what must I do to be saved? Y'all, I couldn't even minister salvation to him. I was like, huh? Okay, okay, let me think, let me think. But that was a day that we really became one. A divided house. Cannot stand and our house was divided. Even though I knew my husband loved me. But I knew he could not love me the way he needed to love me. Because he did not know. I'm talking to y'all. I'm talking to y'all. Because the only way my husband could love me the right way was through Jesus. 
the way Christ loved the church. And the only way he could do that is by his heart changing, by his spirit changing. Come on, the mind had to be worked on. But if that heart and that spirit was right because it was the heart and spirit of God, eventually that soul is going to make a connection and he's going to know how it's supposed to be in the home. And sure enough, y'all, that man over there, he could cuss. He'll take. Ain't nothing. He don't mind for me to tell you. I didn't know how to cuss, y'all. People laughed at me when I cussed because I didn't know how to cuss. But this one here, he could put down some cussing. But the day this man got saved, uh uh-uh. This man here, it was cut off. You can't tell me. When change come in your spirit, that things won't get cut off. Because that taste of that cussing that's coming through you, you know it ain't right. And you're going to say, uh-uh, that ain't right. Mm-mm. That no corrupt communication. You're going to know what's right and what ain't right. So he quit, he quit cussing. But one thing I can say. When he wasn't saved and he saw what God was doing in my life, when I got in the car with him, he didn't play the music he wanted to play. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you why he didn't do it. It ain't because I told him to turn it off. Because, see, when the glory of the Lord is upon you and you in the presence of the Lord, when you in the presence of the Lord and you get before somebody else, they're going to show you some respect. Because they see where you were. And they see how you are now. See, even our children, there's no disrespect when it comes to who we are. They respect who we are. They don't come in our house with loud music. They don't come in our house and do any and everything because they respect who we are because that was how we were. We didn't try to do nothing to hide nothing from them. That's just how we lived. And they knew exactly how we were. So they did not disrespect us. And y'all, I'm going to tell you something. It's time for separation. It's time to let go of the world and the things that you're holding on to that you should not be holding on to. All of us are holding on to something or somebody. And sometimes you don't see it because you get too comfortable with it. You think it's okay and you want people to come to your house. So you allow them to come to your house with a beer in their hand. You allow them to come to your house with a cigarette in their hand. As long as we can fellowship. It's, well, man, do you mind if I smoke? No, go ahead. It don't bother me. They ask you a question. No, we don't do that in, in this house. But you're going to tell your kids not to do it in front of you, but you're letting your friends come to your house and do what you tell your children you don't want them to do. A divided house will not stand. We're quiet, aren't we? It will not stand. You can pray all you want to, but if it ain't lining up with the will of God, the Bible says, and this is the confidence that I have in you. That whatsoever I ask according to your will, you hear me. And if I know that you hear me, I know I have the petition, the request that I have asked of you. How can you go to God asking him something and you out of his will? God ain't going to answer that foolishness. That's not how it's supposed to be. 
So do not be shaped by. Conform to, pressed into a mold by this world age. Instead, be changed within, transformed by a new way of thinking. Your change come within. Or changing the way you think, the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able, check, let's, let's go back up. Let's go back up. We're talking about making your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. This is your act to what? Worship. So he is telling us, Paul is telling us, this is how you do it. Be not conformed. Be not adapted to the things of this world. Don't mold into the things of this world. But be changed. Be transformed. Change. How am I going to be transformed and changed? By the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. What is it renewed to? God's way. Of doing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing. Then these things shall be added unto you. Me and my husband didn't get where we are for 22 years without a renewing of our mind. Then we, y'all seeing things that's added unto us, not because of our doing, but it's because of lining up with his way and people mad. Then you will be able, check this, then you will be able to decide, discern, test, and approve what God wants for you is God's will. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. You will not know until you change your way of thinking. Until you renew your mind. You cannot be born again for 20 years and never get into the word of God to line up with his way of doing. Why? Because you're going to still do it man's way instead of doing it God's way. Even though you're born again, that's good. You're missing hell. But if you don't make a connection with God's way, come on. You're living like you in hell on earth and you don't have to live that way. Some of us take this for granted, the word. The word is what gives you life. The word is what gives you a peace of mind when everything else is tore up. The the word is what gives you joy even when you feel like you just can't do nothing else no more. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what Nehemiah said. Come on, if you don't get into the word and the word don't get into you, you're going to live like the world. You're going to look like the world. And that's not who you are. He want his glory revealed through you. He want people to see his image. He want people to see that you are a son and that you are a daughter, that you are a disciple, that you are an ambassador, that you are a representative of him and not of the world. I am in the world, but I'm not of the world. I don't do like the world does. There is a difference. Come on, Jesus showed the difference. Now let's talk about this. We talked about unbelievers being mixed with believers. Now I'm going to talk about believers being separated, being a mixed multitude. You can have people that believe that's causing division. You're a mixed multitude. Even though you say you are a mixed multitude. Romans 16, 17. This is what Paul was saying. Now I urge you, brethren, 
Note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. Let's read it again. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. You have people in church, believers, causing offenses, causing division, saying things opposite to how you've been taught. And if it keeps happening, they become false teachers. Meaning that they're presenting something, but it's not how you've been taught. Avoid them. Stay away from them. Why? Because it's causing division. Contrary to how you've been taught. But if you're not in the word of God, renewing your mind, you ain't going to know the truth from a lie, even though it's twisted. You ain't going to catch it. You're going to be saying, amen. You're going to be saying, that's right. That's God. But you got to know what's behind it. Been there. Done that. See, things happen and people that are not in the word and allow the word to get into them. They know something is wrong, but they don't know quite what's wrong. But when you get into the word and the word get into you, you're saying, no, 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 no. That's not what the word says. We don't debate over it, but we don't accept it because we know that's not what God is saying. See, what the enemy does, he is so tricky. He's a trickster. The enemy know the word. Come on, he was Lucifer. He was up there as a worshiper. He was up there right before God. When he got thrown to earth, he knows what brings God's bring God glory. So what he going to do? He going to twist it. He going to make you think that you bringing God glory and make you feel good in what you're doing, but it ain't God. Cuz anything that brings confusion It's not God. God is not about confusion. He's about peace. So this is why he said, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division. And offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. You don't supposed to be around people that's trying to twist what you have learned. Not only what you have learned from me as your teacher, as your pastor, as your apostle, but what you learn yourself, the Holy Spirit, he's your teacher as well. And if you're in the word of God, he's not going to let you accept anything contrary to the truth. That's why you got the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to connect you with the truth. He's going to bring back to your remembrance what the word of God has said unto you. That's just how good he is. Isn't he that good? He brings to your remembrance to let you know, no, he'll bring up a scripture. That's why you have to stay in the word of God. This is why we have so much conflict in the body of Christ. This is why you have so much division. You got some in and you got some out. The one says in is trying to tell the ones that's out of the word, the truth, but the ones that's out of the word, they have built stuff up based on what they believe, based on their opinion outside of the word of God. 
So you got a mixed multitude because if I'm walking with Teresa and I'm believing something different from Teresa and both of us are believers, then I go to Athea and I tell Athea, Teresa talking smack. Because God gave her that. He didn't give it to me. So I'm saying it's smack, Athea. And Athea said, what? Ain't nobody got time for that monkey business. Now what'd she say? She said this. <laughs> if I'm not in the word like she's in the word, I'm going to say what she's saying is wrong. But if God gave it to her and she know what God is saying, it's the word. Right? So I'm part of the mixed multitude. Yeah, in church. I'm separating myself from her. But I'm in the church. I refuse refuse to believe what she's saying. So I'm going to go get my own crowd. I'm going to go get my own mixed multitude. And we're going to have mix on this side. And then we're going to have the rest on that side. This is in the church. Mixed multitude. Separation. When God wants us to be one. And you cannot be one without the word. How can two walk together? Unless they agreed. We need to find out why they're not agreeing. Why are we in the same house, the same, I'm with the church, but I'm saying church, in the same church, but we're not on one accord. There's a root to it. What took you out of the place you were in? Who took you out of the place that you were in? That's the root. How can we walk together unless we agree? In Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse two, it was two women that Paul had to openly rebuke in that church. I urge, I ask, urge, encourage, exhort. He named the two women. He said to agree in the Lord. Those women were not in agreement. Paul openly rebuked them because they were not on the same, didn't have the same mind, was not on the same accord. So Paul openly rebuked them. You have a right to do that. Paul had a right to do that. He had a right. Paul was the apostle. He was the one that set up the churches and he was checking on the churches. He was seeing how the churches was doing. So Paul had a right to go in there when something was not right and set it right. That was his position. So then we look at Barnabas and Paul. They were together. They were tight. But when Paul, when when Barnabas wanted to take his cousin with him, John Mark, Paul said, no, I don't think that's a good idea because he didn't go on all these journeys. I'm paraphrasing with us. I agree with Paul. If he was half in and half out, you can't be all the way in, man. You didn't go on all these journeys. You don't know what happened in and out of these churches. I can't bring you with us because you didn't come with us. Oh no, Barnabas didn't agree. The Bible says the contention was so sharp that they had to separate. Now they still had love for one another, but at that time they could not work with one another. 
There was a separation. This is, I'm talking about separation, y'all. See, because Paul knew John Mark cannot come with us. He was not with us on these journeys. There was a separation. See, in the church, when somebody get too high and think that they're above, there have to be a separation. So there are going to be some separations within the church. Because we want to make sure that the gospel still go out. It didn't stop Barnabas and it didn't stop Paul. Both of them were still preaching and teaching the gospel. But they could not work together. Why? Because it would have caused some some, um, division within the body of Christ. Y'all, it's the word. Titus 3.10 If anyone is causing division among you, he should be given a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with him. The church supposed to follow what the word says. If people are causing division, this is mixed multitude. If they're not on one accord, if they're not in agreement, and you keep going to these people, and they keep causing division, the Bible said after that, have nothing more to do with them. We got to follow what the word is saying, not what flesh is saying. And when you follow what the word is saying, people are not going to like you because they're going to think you shouldn't have done what you've done. But you're doing what the word says. That's why we got to be in the word and the word get in us. Anytime anybody question God's authority, the one that God put over the church is division. It's the word. We have to. Not be part of a mixed multitude. Because when you're part of a mixed multitude, it causes division. And God is not about division. He's about unity. It takes the body of Christ getting into the word and allowing the word to get into them. And as you do that, when things occur, it does not have to be handled by the pastor. It can be handled by the members coming together in love and say, we are brothers and sisters. This ought not to be. This word. Getting back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When I said I was at that church, and I remember when I left that church, I left because I I went to that church for the wrong reasons, number one. I did not go to that church because God sent me there. I went to that church because I knew the pastor over that church, and I knew the wife over that church, and I'm thinking, being that I know them, I should be in a safe place. But that's not where God sent me. But I want to go somewhere because I knew I needed the word of God, the word of life. And I remember when it was time for me to leave that church. And I left that church because I told God this. I said, God, I know what I need. And I'd rather sit home. And I remember that's when Joyce Myers was popular. She just come out. I'd rather sit home and watch Joyce Myers all day long to go into a church that's full of division, that's full of jealousy, and nobody is stopping it. 
This is the problem that I have. When the pastor know that you got a mixed multitude in the church that's not lining up with the word of God and the pastor is telling somebody but allowing it to go on, he's part of the mixed multitude. So I said, wait a minute. Now, I don't know no word like I need to, but I know that ain't right because the check in my spirit is not right. So I did go to the pastor and I did let him know out of respect. And it was okay. So when God placed me in a place, see, God was preparing me for where he wanted me to be. He was preparing me for my ministry. Let me tell y'all something about ministry. God is not going to stick you behind a pulpit if he has not prepared you. God is going to prepare you for where he's taken you. And you're going to go through some things in life before you go behind a pulpit. He's going to show you some things. He's going to show you some people. He's going to raise you up before he place you. So God sent me to a place, I already had the ministry, but God told me what to do and I did it. The pastor was on one accord with me. I didn't go in her church to take over her church. I didn't go in her church to cause any kind of division. I went in there because I knew I was so rejected that I needed love and she showed nothing but love and showed you how to handle situations. Never forget I got settled in that church and wanted to stay there. Didn't want to leave. It was so good I was inviting people to come to the church to hear the word because I knew it was the truth. But I remember when the Lord was showing me how to operate and what I had. But see, I wasn't waiting on her to give me no word. I was in my word. So what I would do when things would come up, I would go to her. When she would be prophesying to somebody, she would call me up. I'm standing there just as silent as ever. Even though the spirit of the Lord was speaking to me, I had to come into alignment to that angel of that house. So I would say, can I inject? She said, sure. See, that's how you work together. So you got to have a unity. You got to have a one accord. I'm still talking about mixed multitude. See, I couldn't go up in that church and try to be over what she's doing. I had to come up under her and allow God to use her and show me how to be still. God was showing me because of the ministry that was in me. Next thing that I know, she allowed me to give somebody a word. But this is the thing, y'all. I got settled. I wanted to stay there, but God knew my time was up. She said, uh... When you're going to go in your church full time? I say, I don't know. I think I'm going to stay down here um, second and fourth. She said, okay. That's all she said. But everything they did, I could not be a teacher. I could not do none of those things because that's not where the Lord had me. God was giving me what I need to take into this ministry. So I remember, y'all, jealousy rose up in that church. Never forget. I'm humble, doing what I could do for the pastor, not showboating, doing stuff where nobody know what I did, but I helped her and did what I needed to do in any kind of way I could do it. And I remember, never forget, I had made a banana pudding. 
And somebody loved that banana pudding so well, they asked me, could I get the recipe? Sure. Told them the recipe. They was giving her a surprise birthday party. The congregation was coming together to love on her. And we sitting up there, and the girl I gave the recipe to, they said, girl, this is the best banana pudding I ever had. Where you get it from? Oh, my husband showed me how to make it. Right in front of my face. I said, help me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, help me. I'm staying humble. I didn't say nothing. I said, but she sat there and lied, and she should know better. So things started to unravel. I started to see people's hearts against me again. And I said, okay, God, you show me how to deal with this. Okay, the Lord said it was my time to come out, and I did. But this is the kicker, y'all. I had to go into another meeting. Um, I ain't going to say where the meeting was. Some people might know, and i never forget. The Lord had raised me up real good. I give all glory to God for where he brought me from and the things I've been through. When I went in that meeting, and God did a work. Oh, yes, he did a work, and it was him doing the work. The ones that never recognized me being a part said, She come from our church. Now I'm a part. I want you to recognize mixed multitude. I want you to recognize who labor amongst you. You got to recognize where people are. People that are not where they need to be in the word. They're going to oppose what God is doing because you're in the word. You're going to have this. But you have to know how to handle it according to the word. You never handle anything outside the word. Then you're going to have people that come in the church that think they're above everybody else. They're going to think you can't tell them nothing. They know the word for themselves and they ain't coming down no matter what you say. Mixed multitude. You got to know who's amongst you and you're supposed to care about what God is doing no matter who God put in the body to do it. If one member get hurt, you're supposed to be there to lift up that member. I don't care who they are. You don't supposed to be nonchalant when stuff is going on in the house of God. You're supposed to be in the word of God enough to know that ain't right. I remember Mitchell over there. When we were having church, I believe it was Little House on the Perry. Mitchell had a dream about me. You remember Mitch? And that dream took Mitch, I guess somebody was coming in to attack me, correct? I didn't have to say nothing to Mitch. Next thing I know, Mitch had got a lot of people and took a circle in my yard and began to pray. Because he was standing in the gap on my behalf. That's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to come together in unity. When you see something that's going on, you're supposed to come together and counter attack the enemy. You're supposed to come at the enemy with force. In unity, it does not supposed to be mixed multitude in the church. The enemy is creeping in the church and trying to divide and conquer. And if you don't get a hold to the word of God for yourself, you will be amongst the ones that's being divided. You cannot sit in the church hearing word and not taking it in because you will be divided. You will believe everything because it sounds like it's right. So it's time for the church. Number one, come out from amongst the mixed multitude. Come out from amongst unbelievers. 
when you know you given the word and they're not accepting the word, then you're going to have to leave them alone. And in the church, believers, believers, <laughs> mixed multitude. When you see something is wrong in the church and it is not correct, you bring correction according to the word. I don't watch a thea fall in a ditch. And I know she's getting ready to fall. And I'm like, I can't talk to Thea. She falls. She'll be all right. She'll get back up. But it might put her in a state of mind where she want to stay there. We're supposed to help one another. We don't supposed to leave nobody out there. We are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. It takes the word of God for us to live. The word is your anchor. And if you don't hold on to that anchor, you will drown. And that's what the enemy want. The enemy want to tear up the church because he know where God is taking miracle temple deliverance ministry. But I'm here to tell you that separation has come as of today. Those that don't want to line up with the vision and what God is doing. I don't have to remove you. You already gone. We're not having no mixed multitude in miracle temple deliverance ministry. We're going to be in unity. We're going to be on one accord. We're going to do what God has called us to do because every joint supplies. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all members of the body of Christ. We're here to help one another. Amen. Stay in your lane. Stay where God has placed you in your lane. Because if you don't stay in your lane, we're going to have a collision in the house. And that is because we got a mixed multitude of believers that will be amongst us. That's going to try to divide and conquer. So we have to stay in our lanes, do what God has called us to do. And that's how that one body come together. Amen. If you got a finger that's hurting, we're supposed to be there to help that finger. Anybody that's in need, we're supposed to help them. But we're supposed to do it out of the love of God. Love conquers a multitude of sin. Church, churches, it is time for the body of Christ to quit acting like the world. Quit doing like the world does. And do like the word of God tell us to do. And I guarantee you we can take nations by storm. The enemy is trying to stagnate the body of Christ. To keep them from going forth the way they need to go forth. Because they're focused on the world instead of focused on who they are. Now that they're in Christ. So let's keep our focus. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.